you've done some amazing work, Chuck. Is this the first political venture you've done? Well, the closest I've come before this is I did a graphic novel adaptation of Amity Schley's The Forgotten Man. It was a history of the Great Depression. That's probably the closest I've come to anything that was, you know, political. But this is a little bit more overtly political as it deals with, you know, uh, people currently involved in politics. I would say so. I, I would say you really jumped jumped over the cliff on this one and through the moon, buddy. <laughs> yes, I have. We'll see what's at the bottom when I get there. <laughs> There's a lot of great talent in the world, and that's why we have that right up top of America Out Loud, Let the Silent Voices Be Heard. And we're actually doing that back at America Out Loud Talk Radio. You'll find a whole great lineup of shows there. Check us out, americaoutloud.com. We podcast all the shows there. You'll, You'll find this show right there and many others. Or you'll find us also streaming now. We are on our own talk radio network. You'll find us on places like TuneIn, AHA Radio, Radio God FM, iTunes Radio, and a whole lot more. Well, listen, I want to talk to you about being organized in your life. I know it's important for all of us. I want to introduce you to Closets by Design. You know, this is just a great company. It's a national firm. They're on the West Coast, but you'll find them, a lot of their retail centers throughout the United States. Whether it's a closet, garage, home office, laundry, pantries, just about everything these folks have. Check them out closetsbydesign.com. Again, stay tuned. We've got a great show here today. Well, Hillary Clinton infamously said she and her husband left the White House dead broke. Today, they boast a net worth of over $150 million. Well, we're going to talk today to Chuck Dixon. He's, uh, well, Chuck, and you know the name when you hear it, because he's a comic book writer, but he's best known for a lot of his work in the Batman titles for the DC Comics. He was just telling me as we came on, he did a graphic novel for The Hobbit, uh, The Savage Sword of Conan. He's got I mean, just a lot of work, Robin, Nightwing. Uh, and But this is, you were just saying, Chuck, this is one of your biggest uh, uh, projects to date. Yeah, it's reaching a wider audience than comics normally do, and, uh, you know, Uh, promotion like this and comics don't get this kind of promotion talk just talk because that's what we do here friends malcolm out loud talk welcome to the show the american thinker came out and said this and i want to get your response to this they said chuck dixon who adapted this is fearless and did not have a problem in burning any bridges. Explain that to me, brother. Well, in my business, the comic book business, it's primarily left-leaning. You know, they follow, they're very politically correct, especially the two largest houses, DC Comics and Marvel. And, um, you know, I really didn't burn any bridges. They've been burned a long time. (laughs) So, um, you know, because I'm, you know, because of my personal politics, never because of politics I put in the work, because... If I'm writing a Batman story, I don't put my politics in the work. It's escapist fiction. It should be enjoyed by everybody. When you decided to take this project on, and, I, and I'm wondering, there are two roads here. And, and I, I'm, I'm curious to find out from you, what was the real uh, 
motivation in doing this? Was it, number one, uh, politically motivated from your end to think, okay, this is a story that, you know, has got to be told and we can reach the millennials in, with this product. And, you know, I don't want to see this woman in the White House. It's, in other words, it was a personal, uh, you know, uh, point for you. Or was it the other track that, well, this was just a hell of a business opportunity here. And it didn't matter what my political belief was. I was going to do this project because it was a great business opportunity. Which was it? Well, it was, you know, it falls in line with my political beliefs. I feel it's important that the public know about this. I mean, obviously, you know, connected with Peter's book, it is a, a great commercial opportunity. You know, there's a mercenary aspect to it. But, yeah, I probably would have volunteered to, to write this book. Wow. Because the, the, public, the public needs to know, and this is a medium that will reach people that would never pick up Peter's book and would never go see the movie. But they might be curious when they see, you know, this you know, really attractive, colorful you know, outrageous book, and they might want to pick it up and leaf through it and, and learn a little something. And doesn't that say it all, though, when you say this, I probably would have volunteered. I mean, does that not stop you in your tracks and tell you? So this, this, was, a, this was very personal to you then. And I would imagine, Chuck, uh, if you think about it, a project like this, you really, you know, I don't think you could do this project if you had the opposite political belief. In other words, in the other track, which I said, okay, it's a hell of a business opportunity. You get a tremendous amount of exposure. Like you said, this thing is the biggest project you've ever worked on. It's got a lot of legs to it. But I would imagine if you didn't buy into this, I don't imagine somebody could do this, could they? No, you have to have the heart for it. Right. Uh, you had to, you know, have the outrage, the deep outrage. But really, I think it's an apolitical story. Because it's it's the, the 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 corruption, the level of corruption, everything else is so shocking that you can't stick the party lines and excuse it. I mean, not not in you know maintain your soul. Now, what you just said it just knocks me over. You just said, let's just stop there a moment. You just said, Malcolm, this is an apolitical story. Now, now, Chuck, I, I can tell the way you said that you really believe that, but yet, but yet. Nobody out there is really buying into that. I, I see. I'm in agreement with you. I, I'm in agreement with you. When you're a patriot, when you're an American, when you really care about things, I, I think you look well beyond party lines. If whether it's a, a Republican, a, a Democrat, an Independent, or a Communist, if somebody goes to this sort of level, you sort of you, your eyes open up twice as wide. But yet, that's not the story out there, Chuck. I mean. There are those who know this is so corrupt, yet they still go down, they're still going down the yellow brick road with this lady. Why is that, Chuck? I think that's the difference between the left and the right. Uh, on the right, we still debate. We debate each other. We fight. I mean, the, the recent primary process shows that. And just, to, you know, for an example that all of us, I think, can relate to, we all have leftist friends who can see no flaws in people like Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton. They just cannot see the flaws. I love me some Ronald Reagan, but I'll tell you mistakes he made. I'll tell you flaws that he had. It doesn't reduce my admiration for him and everything else, but I'll admit when the guy was wrong. That's, and the left cannot do that. That's the best description I've heard yet of the Republican. No, for real, though, of the Republican Party. Uh, it, it, that's the best description I've heard. It's like, And I've never heard it put that way, Chuck. It's like, all right, Malcolm, listen, you know, the Republican Party, we like to fight. And we'll fight with each other to get to the truth of the point. And I never hear that. But that, that's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, you know, that's why I'm proud to be an open-minded, you know, right-wing extremist. 
There are extremists in both parties, and, and those are the ones who tend to get a lot of the noise. And But yet, really, I think, you know, a good patriot, a good American, somebody who loves their country, doesn't necessarily have to be an extremist. They can just be a patriot. And, no, but the bar has been moved for extremism. I mean, uh, let's face it. If John F. Kennedy were running for president today, he'd be running as a conservative Republican. Exactly. exactly. The bar has moved so far left. To the, to the detriment of our country. Well, that's a good point. That's, that's, a, that's a very valid point. All right. So uh, taking this further, let's jump into a couple of specifics here. One of the biggest, well, and let me ask you before I tell you what it is, think about everything you wrote here, th- this book, this, this, this Clinton Cash, the, the, the graphic novel, which I know there are a lot of line items here, Chuck, as you come down. You know, you, it's, it's a litany list of things that happen from the speaking gigs to the people they were partnering with. Let's talk specific. What is the, what is the one first thing that comes to your mind that says, wow? What they did to Haiti, you can talk numbers and everybody glazes over numbers and names and dates, but but the people of Haiti who had this horrible earthquake and hundreds of thousands, a quarter million people died in this horrible earthquake, destroyed their economy, destroyed their infrastructure, basically brought the country to their knees. And here comes the Clintons and all their cronies. It actually made these people's lives worse. (laughs) And all for money. That's, that's the most shocking thing I found in the book, that it details how Haiti paid the price in, in, in a real human suffering to just use these people who were already in the worst straits you could possibly imagine. Well, the story with Haiti is that it was a real publicity stunt. Obviously, as you described, uh, the devastation was was beyond beyond. I mean, let, let's face it, Chuck. It's this the devastation that happened in Haiti was uh, was a was a lifetime event, right? And now you had the Clintons on the front of this, raising all this money, supposedly trying to help, you know, with the Clinton Foundation. But what you're saying, Chuck, let's tell folks that what you guys uncovered is the money never really went there, did it? No, no. They, they took money out of Haiti. They didn't bring money into Haiti. They took, they took money out. I mean, the, um, the, Bill Clinton got speaking fees from an Irish telecom. I mean, first of all, Bill Clinton was made special envoy by the State Department. I mean, nobody elected him to this. But Hillary just simply made him, like, you know, basically the, the king of Haiti. And he was calling all the shots, and he was making deals. So he makes this deal with this Irish telecom, you know, billionaire, uh, to provide free cell phones for everybody in Haiti because the landlines were down. You know, and, but the thing is, that seems magnanimous, but it wasn't. Because the phones were free, the minutes weren't. So when all everything settled down, this telecom company became was the monopoly for any kind of cellular communication in Haiti, which even though Haiti is a poor country, is, is billions of dollars. It's worth billions of dollars. And and in return for this, you know, Bill went over to Ireland and made a bunch of speeches for, you know, rock star money. And uh, huge donations to the Clinton Foundation. Well, what Peter lays out in his initial book is that the speaking gigs went up dramatically. I mean, they they were pretty modest. Well, by what standards? When I say modest, folks, brace yourself here. But, you know, I mean, they weren't like they were after. So when she became Secretary of State, they sort of changed. Is that what you found, Chuck? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, most presidents get hot speaking fees right after they leave office. Bill Bill got hot speaking fees that only got hotter as she went up in influence. I mean, you can see where his speaking fees went up when she was elected senator, because now she had influence. 
When she becomes secretary, when she runs for president, they skyrocket a little more. When she becomes secretary of state, they skyrocket more. And I'm certain they've gone up since she's, you know, been running this time. So as her influence increases, the dollar amount to get Bill to come to your city and God knows where and give a speech goes way up. So so the whole scope that now the news is that they're going to uh, sort of disengage, he's going to step off the board of the Clinton Foundation is the newest thing, and they're going to sort of, you know, crack it down a little bit. Do you buy that? No. What genius is the ability to renew one's emotions in daily experience. It's one of the quotes up at the top there of America Out Loud. You know, America Out Loud is just growing fast, and we really appreciate your support and you being with us on the show today and checking out all the shows back at our site, AmericaOutloud.com. One thing about this site is it changes every day throughout the day. It always brings you the latest news in podcast and radio, in blogging, in video, all of it. Now, also, you can get all of this on the app. There's a brand new app. We're so excited about you get it on the app store and it's free it's just easy easy stuff just very downloadable you put it on your phone or your tablet and it puts it right in the palm of your hand so it doesn't get any easier than that always like to see the latest and without having to go out and find it so get the app and do us a favor Tell folks about it. Share it and let folks know about the app. We really appreciate it. We're trying to get right now to a million downloads. So we need to get all your friends and people involved in that. And also, I want to take just a moment and bring to you Organize.com. Now, folks, this is a great site, Organize.com. I ran across this company just a few months back. Sort of reminds me sort of like a crate and barrel online, but with much lower pricing and really cool stuff. I, I'm looking at their site right now. They got everything from bins and baskets, things to home office, travel gear, uh, shelving. Uh, just uh, there's all kinds of things here. They, they got all kinds of furniture, bathroom accessories, everything you can imagine. It's all here. They also offer free shipping site wide on here. So check them out, organize.com. You'll find a whole lot there as well. And also Truth PR. Check out truthpr.com. If you're looking for some truth in the media, you're looking to maybe have some press releases or create some publicity in your life, this would be the firm to use. Jackie Jones is the proprietor there. TruthPR.com. Find out a whole lot more, dear friends. Now, let's get back to the show. What Hillary's saying when she says that they're going to, if she wins, if she wins, it's contingent on that. If she wins, they're, they're going to stop taking donations to the Clinton Foundation. What she's really saying is it's a fire sale. If you want influence on me as President of the United States, get your money in now. Yeah, that's what they're saying. That's that's what I'm hearing out there. I also understand that there are other arms of the Clinton Foundation, other 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 um, uh, pieces of the organization that are within other countries that are separate entities. Chuck. Well, yeah, I mean, they they're, they got a little bit of everything. Right. They, they they're getting a percentage out of everything. Chuck, talk to me about the uranium deal. This, this, this is one of the biggest, hottest ticketed items we hadn't even touched on yet, but the uranium deal with Russia. What happened there? Well, it begins in Kazakhstan, which is rich in uranium. And um, Bill started making speeches in Kazakhstan. He'd you know, never been there before in his life. They never had a president speak there, but he was paid outrageous money by the, you know, the president for life or whatever who runs Kazakhstan. Not, not a nice guy. 
And, uh, th of course, Bill brings along his, his pal, Frank Yostra, multimillionaire. And uh, Frank Yostra gets a sweetheart deal to mine for uranium in Kazakhstan. And in exchange for this, he gives, you know, millions to the Clinton Foundation. Now, Frank Yostra is not a mining guy. He never mined uranium before. As far as anything's concerned, his mining company is a, is a post box down at the Mail Express. But now he's like, you know, the uranium king of Kazakhstan. This leads to a relationship with Russia, who are always interested in uranium. They're uranium hungry. And eventually leads to Rosatom, which is a Russian government agency that runs their nuclear power and nuclear weapons program, getting controlling interest of uranium mining in Canada and the United States. This is all brokered through Frank Diostra, who he and his Canadian mining partners eventually give $145 million to the Clinton Foundation. And we now have a Russian government agency mining for uranium on American soil. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. It's, it's, uh, it's beyond unbelievable. It's so unbelievable you can't get people to believe it. You I mean, I sound like a, a tinfoil hat weirdo when I talk about it because it's so shockingly ridiculous. But it, it's true. And I wonder if that's really the catch all of all of this. Uh, in other words, the fact, Chuck, that uh, people have become sort of, uh, you know, sort of immune to the Clintons and their habits. When you hear something today on the news, you almost don't even blink twice anymore. It's like, oh, just another day. And so I think a lot of people have tuned it out almost to the point that they sort of expect this behavior. Do you, do you uh, buy into that? Yeah, I used the example earlier today of Charlie Sheen, and Charlie Sheen does something outrageous, and you're like, eh, you know, <laughs> right. it's not news. But, you know, the Clintons, that they, they're like immune because they've been so outrageous in their abuse of power that, uh, you know, it's not newsworthy anymore. And certainly the left-leaning press isn't, it's not newsworthy to them either. They're not interested nor curious about anything the Clintons do outside of being, you know, just awesome, wonderful human beings. Well, so far, as we're in the midst of this general election, uh, it looks like she's able to maintain herself somehow. Uh, she's still deflecting the bullets. Uh, she doesn't do, uh, you know, open conferences, speaking uh, uh, conferences. They're not uh, taking on questions and that sort of thing. They don't want to do that. She's very, very careful, very, very scripted candidate. Well, that just plays right into this whole narrative, Chuck. Uh, there would be a reason why you would have a scripted candidate with this sort of baggage. You never want to open up and unzipper that baggage for god's sake she'll never know what the hell's going to come out of it you see yeah i mean she's not she's not prepared to answer impromptu questions and quite frankly except on rare occasions the press isn't interested in asking her anything of any kind of depth or significance yeah i mean i don't think anybody cannot deny the fact that the press is in cahoots with this you know, one of the things I, I scratch my head with so much and wonder is how can the press sell this country out to the magnitude that they do when they're not fair and objective and they go to one side of the political aisle as much? How do, how do you think that? Why does it work that way, Chuck? What, what do you think the deal is with that? Well, I think at one time there was a separation between the media and the politicians. Now there isn't. They're, they're one and the same. I mean, you know, you have journalists married to politicians, politicians married to journalists, and, you know, I mean, you know, you've got George Stephanopoulos, for God's sake. How in the world is he considered a nonpartisan? He's a Clintonista from the beginning, and yet here he is on network television. And at least we know he's a Clintonista officially, but the rest are unofficially. You know, they've got their uh, membership badge hidden. 
but you know, it's it, there's there's no difference. It's it's like the end of Animal Farm, where there's no difference between the pigs and the men. You can't tell the difference. What I don't get is why would they even risk this cash machine? Why would the Clintons risk the cash machine that they had created and jump into the spotlight to run for the highest office in the land again when they had to know that there would be major scrutiny on all of this, Chuck? Why would they risk that when they they had to know that somebody was going to pull back the curtain here? I, I I guess they just hope no one would. I I don't think that they, I don't think anybody they thought that anybody like Peter Schweitzer would you know connect the dots, and then prevent present it in such an evocative way to reach millions of readers, and and you know uh, be able to go on television and explain these things. Uh, he's kind of the Paul Revere. <laughs> the Clintons are coming. The Clintons are coming. Interesting way to put really it. They really are. Yeah, this is who they are, and this is what they're about, and this is what they've done. And, uh, you know, because, you know, the, you know, as we said, the media is not going to do it. But Peter did it. And now it's sort of in the zeitgeist. It's sort of in the air that this Clinton Foundation, there's something stinky about it. Even to low information voters know there's something fishy here. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. I mean, we should know more about the people that, you know, want to lead our country. We should know all. And the average American should know a lot more about what the Clintons are up to. That is a great way to put that. I mean, that that is just that is a great way to put it. And uh, um, and you know, with uh, Peter Schweitzer to say that he is the Paul Revere of uh, of the Clintons are coming, the Clintons are coming. I can I can almost see that. You know, you can see him. You can see him <laughs> going through the streets, ringing the bell, and doing that. So it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, there's another concept here, another thought as well. Uh, when I ask you the question, why would they risk? I mean, they set up like a mega operation you have to think folks and step back a minute and realize that th- this is like you know this is bonnie and clyde is what this this is a this is a current you, you ought to do a comic on that actually chuck <laughs> the, the, this is a comic uh, this is a a current day bonnie and clyde is what we're dealing with here okay so now we got bonnie and clyde and they're they're like doing robbery, but but it's they're making it legal. They're they're getting away with it. And they're, they're every time they leave uh, the scene, you can see the getaway car r- driving like hell up the road. You you can almost see Chuck the wheels of the car burning rubber, and you can see them laughing out the back side of the window. You know where I'm going with this. You can see them laughing to your yeah. face. <laughs> yeah. I got away with another one, and you can see that as Bonnie right. and Clyde drive up the road. So here's what I say. My answer to the question I just asked you would have been a little different. It would have been that the only thing I can come up with as to why somebody like this would risk the entire – well, why would Bonnie and Clyde risk the success they had built up to jump into it again when they had it all figured out? They were making – life was set for these two cats. They didn't have to worry about anything else anymore. So why would you risk that? Well, here's why you would risk that. Well, I think two reasons. One is – you can only risk that if you were totally arrogant. There would be no other way you could risk that with total ar- arrogance. That's all I can come up with. And the, and the, the second thing is you, you really have to want to want that power so badly. Because it wasn't about money anymore, Chuck. It was about power. Well, remember, you know, if she gets in the White House, she, they can whitewash anything they've done. They can get rid of anything they've done. They're, now they're in a position to cover it all up. And, you know, they're so far at the top because she broke laws while she was in in the State Department. You know, 
she hired all of her buddies to be in the State Department, basically to cover for her. Cheryl Mills, Sidney Blumenthal, Huma Abedin. And none of these people went through a vetting process because she hired them on, as special employees. Well, under the rules of the State Department, you're allowed to hire a special employee for 180 days. And this is in order to encourage you to get experts. In other words, if you needed an expert in oil drilling or an expert in, a, in nuclear, like a Henry Kissinger type, you could bring them in to advise you. But, but the three people I mentioned and many more were hired as special employees and were with her the whole four years. And that's against the rules. And no one called her on it. I mean, beyond her having her own server and her own email account and all the other nonsense she's done, she was breaking specific rules of the State Department well, that, do an end run around Congress. Yeah, they didn't. They did. They didn't only break the rules. They created a new set of rules, Chuck. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they created a whole. Like you say, you put a server in your in your home in your closet, whatever it is you do. I mean, you you're creating a whole new set of rules here, you know. And then you blame it on Colin Powell. I mean, it just doesn't even. It, it you, you can't even grasp this stuff, you know. There's a group that you write about in your book there, uh, Charity Navigator. And what they do, Charity Navigator, they rank philanthropic groups. Is that right, Chuck? Yes. Yeah. But yet, this Charity Navigator, they wouldn't rank the Clinton Foundation, would they? No. 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 There's a lot of fear there. Yeah. Tell us, what, what, what's your, what did you find out about that? Just, you know, their mom on it. Um, you know, because, you know, the Clinton Foundation needs a serious top-to-bottom audit, as every charity should. I mean, these are philanthropic organizations saying they want to do good. But, you know, in a lot of cases, charities are scams. You know, they're, they're legal racketeering. And, you know, the king of them all is the Clinton Foundation. But I think the influence and, you know, um, just the fear factor, you know, of going up against a family that contains one president and may soon contain two, uh, and have have a history of being vindictive of getting back at people. Um, you know, there's you, you would be trepidatious about getting too far into their books. Do you have any idea as to how much? What percentage of dollars did 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 he or you ever find out? Did Peter ever find out or you find out? What percentage of dollars really went to any sort of? charitable contributions are we talking you know 80 percent 50 percent uh 20 percent do we ever know roughly what that number is chuck no rough estimates are 10 percent because actually goes which you know is a total no other charity gets away with that 10 percent because of the overhead of the clinton foundation they they they, they have 350 full-time employees the Clintons themselves spend upwards of 30 to $40 million a year in ex- travel expenses taken out of the Clinton Foundation money. And, and when you see the Clintons involved in a charitable effort overseas um, or, or domestically, you'll see that almost every time they're partnered with another charity. And what that is is they simply sign themselves on to be part of you know, whatever effort it is to, to you know, clothe the, you know, unclothed or feed the hungry, and they'll partner with another international or domestic organization. No money gets given, but their their name goes on the letterhead. They're, they're the symbol of the Clinton Foundation goes on any uh, press stuff that goes out. And yeah, they might get Bill to come and speak for them or Bill to allow them to use his image in their promotion to raise money, but 
there's no, it's not a true partnership in the, in the sense that we think of a partnership where the Clintons are coming in for 50%, you know, to help out. Um, they, 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 they actually give very little money. Uh, you know, it, it, it all goes in expenses or slush fund or, you know, basically God knows who. And also, we don't even know how much they really bring in because a lot of times a lot of that stuff comes in over the transom and we literally have no idea what they're bringing in. It just has to blow your mind. Sure, I spent a lot of sleepless nights on what we were going to call this show. You know, a lot of fancy names like any big-time talk radio show. You want to have a great name. So I looked at a lot of them, and I come up with a great name for you. We're going to call it Talk. Just Talk. Welcome to Malcolm Out Loud Talk. Thanks for listening. What do you think happens in this general election? If you were to predict right now what happens when we wake up the morning of November 9th, what do you think happened? It, it's so hard to predict because you want to you want to say the future you'd like to see. Uh, but I really fear that with everything stacked against Trump, including half of his own party, all of the media, with very few exceptions, and the Clinton machine, uh, I don't I don't see him eking out a win. And I hate to say that. I hate to say that more than I've ever hate to say anything in my life. But I don't. He's just got too much going against him. Now, if he pulls out a win, it's going to be a miracle. That's going to be a true mandate because he's he's beaten everything from election fraud to a to a creepy media to the you know most vindictive political machine I think has ever been in the White House. So, Chuck, you think you believe then that Hillary Clinton is the next president? I hate to say that. Yes, I do. Oh. I'm getting ready to cash out my IRA now. <laughs> Wow, wow. Before they seize it. <laughs> so take a moment for me. Let's say Donald Trump is elected come November 9th. What does the world look like? How do you, what kind of a president do you think he will be? You know, it's hard, to say. it's hard to say what any kind of president is going to be. But, you know, from what I've seen of Trump, he knows how to delegate, which, you know, um, you know, our current president doesn't seem to know how to do. He seems to want to get involved in everything from local police matters to, you know, you know, picking the movie for that night at the White House. So um, it's, you know, I see him as a guy that can, that can relegate and also reach outside of the, um, the beltway for, for people that actually know something about the real world. I mean, that's my hope. You know, we all, every time you think about the person you want to be, for, you hope they're going to be who you want them to be. Well, but, you know, that's who I see him as. You know, he's, he's a problem solver, which we haven't had a problem solver in the White House in quite a while. A long time, long time. You know, this is a very valid point because the sign of leadership, my friends, the, the, the sign of leadership is to surround yourself with brilliant people. Well, I'm going to go on the record and say this, Chuck, just when we look back at this later on in life, you and I can chuckle. Uh, and uh, But I think on November 9th when we wake up, I believe we wake up to a country. I believe Donald Trump takes the election. I, I, th- I hope to God you're right. <laughs> I think there is so much. I really, I, my gut tells me that's what's going to happen here. She is not able to take this. There's too much against her. And Hillary Clinton, I'm speaking of. And I don't think she gets the nod to be the, uh, the commander in chief. I do think Donald Trump is the next president. 
and I think uh, he is a really no-nonsense man. Now, I've been very critical of Trump as well as uh, talking about the facts on national radio. So, you know, those of you who know me, hear me out there and many of the circuits, you know, I've, I've been very, of, of all the candidates, I've been very critical. Like you just said earlier uh, on the production here, Chuck, apolitical. And that's the way I tackle these things. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian conservative, but I still look at everything very objectively. And I want to get what's best for our country at the end of the day. But I do believe that Donald Trump is a very unique character who has come uh, to our country at a very interesting time, Chuck. If nothing else, he has us asking questions we should have been asking for decades. He, sh- he has us asking questions we should have been asking for a long time. He has shaken up the apple cart. He has tipped over the canoe. He has really, really got them all on fire. They don't know what to do with Donald Trump, you see. They have no idea. This man doesn't fit the cookie-cutter program. And the thing we have to be careful of, I'll tell you right now, is we have to hope and pray that the Secret Service is doing a very good job in protecting him. And you know what I mean by that. Yeah, he's got a lot of people that, that dislike him strongly, <laughs> yeah. you know, and a lot of people that do not want to see him. I mean, for me, the galvanizing moment and the moment in which I became a Trump supporter was in the very first Republican debate when he said, all of you have written, I've written checks to all of you at one point or another. And I realized this is a guy who, who's worked the system as a businessman, knows how it works from the other side, and isn't afraid to talk. And told the truth, and told yeah. the truth, Yeah. Well, after November 9th, when we know the conclusion of this election, since Chuck and I have just, we just exposed ourselves here to you. If Chuck is right, I will buy him a nice dinner. This is even with him cashing out his IRAs. Okay, Chuck? I'll buy you a nice steak dinner somewhere. You and I will sit down and have that dinner. And if I am the winner of that, you agree to buy me that steak dinner, brother? Absolutely. All right. All right. All right. So I'll be happy to if you're right. <laughs> I bet you will, brother. And I'll be crying if you're right. How's that? You're going to need to give me a crying towel at that particular dinner, my friend. But uh, you, will, you, you will not have to salt that steak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, at this point, I just know that our country cannot sustain another four or eight years of these kinds of policies and survive. But one thing I know about America and one thing I know about Americans is that whenever our country has gone too far off the path, Chuck, if they've gone too far off to the left or too far off to the right, we have a tendency in this country where Americans will wake up and they will snap the country back to where it belongs. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, generally that's true. And if you look at our history over the past couple of hundred plus years, you'll see that is exactly true. And my friends... That is what has got to happen next.